Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I sit down with comedian and podcaster Alexis Strum. Um, I met Alexis a while ago when she guested on the Hardcore Listing Podcast and during that chat, which is an eighth chat, and I suggest you give it a listen as well, um, it became apparent that um, Alexis has had a, a really interesting uh, career in music um, leading up to what she's doing now and uh, and and had great taste in records so when we finished that chat I was like you should you should come on off the beaten track we should uh, we should talk records and and that's what we've done and uh, and it's a lovely chat and it's a funny chat and you're about to hear it uh, before we press play on that chat just quickly um, big thanks to Scroobius Pip and my brothers and sisters at the Distraction Pieces Network much love to 76 for producing this podcast and if this is your first time listening to Off The Beaten Track, then um, when you finish listening to my chat with Alexis, then um, why not uh, head over to the archives and have a look? Because there's about 170 episodes uh, available now, and you can hear my chats with the likes of, oh, blimey, um, Maxine P, Commander Abington, Jade Adams, James Acaster... Public Enemy, Deftones, Kaiser Chiefs, go and go and have a rummage in the archives, and uh, and I'm sure you'll find something that will tickle your fancy. Um, and if that's not enough, I do also have a Patreon page which accompanies this podcast. So each week, um, I put up four radio shows, some video episodes, and some unique uh, Patreon-only episodes as well. So you get access to to bundles of stuff. So uh, why not go and check that out? You can find out about all of this at www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. That's beat and track, not beaten. Uh, Offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. Right, let's get back to today's episode. Please enjoy Off The Beat and Track Podcast with the wonderful Alexis Strum. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. It me, Stu Whiffin. Okay, we are recording. Sitting opposite me today via the means of Zoom is Alexis Strum. Good morning. Good morning, my love. It is morning as well, isn't it? It's quite, uh, it's, it's 9.30am. Yeah, it's a bit early, but I'm used to this. I have a very small alarm clock mm. who's about that high. Well, you can't see that if you're listening on the audio, but she's very small and she wakes me up at seven every morning with an elbow in the face, which <laughs> I think is the best way to wake up. Lovely, <laughs> lovely. I mean, I, I, one of my, um, when we're talking about, obviously we're going to get on to intros shortly, 
But um, one of the intros that I can no longer listen to is There's Nothing Like This by Omar. Um, Because that was my alarm clock when I was about 20 to about 25. Because it's a really nice way to wake up. That doom. It's it's a nice gentle way to ease you in. And like, (laughs) but now I just, if I hear that, and it's a great intro, but I do just think, oh, it just gives me that kind of, that pang of fear in your belly, like, oh, God, 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 I've got to go work. And, uh, and it's completely ruined Omar for me. But uh, I think this is one of the tools that terrorists use, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Omar. <laughs> well, I meant repetitive music on a loop that's triggering. But, yeah, Omar, probably. There's someone out there yeah. in their terrorist cell going, what should we use today? I know. What about there's nothing like this? <laughs> but what about the cheeky girls? No, no, no. Omar. Yeah. I reckon I'd be good. Um, um, how long do you think you could get Omar pumped into your ears before you you cracked? <gasps> this reminds me of an episode of White Lines. I don't know if you've watched that series on Netflix. I have. Um, you know that's that scene where they deafen the guy by playing music really, mm. really, really loud. And I imagine that would be the scenario. How many hours of Omar? Um, is it would be a good it would be a good psych challenge, wouldn't it? Probably. I think 24, if you've not had sleep, you would be, you'd definitely be weeping, probably blood by that point. Right. Weeping blood, yeah. Okay, good answer. <laughs> well, look, let's, um, let's leave terrorism and stuff like that over there. And, okay. uh, and let's talk uh, track one, Alexis, the song with the greatest ever intro. Right, can I just say this is really hard it's to pick It's meant to be hard. That's oh, okay, the thing. Good. Okay, good. Okay. Um, so the one that I picked after much deliberation is The Tracks of My Tears by Smokey Robinson. Wonderful. The guitar. I can't, I, I actually had a little listen through yesterday because I had a short list. The guitar, every time, it like literally pulls me, it, it gets its anchor into my innards and yanks it out and I feel like crying straight away. Just it's, it's ever so slightly um, out of tune as well which yeah. a lot of Motown records at that time that, you know, they did, obviously didn't have access to the kind of recording equipment we do now. And, and uh, there's a slight, yeah, a slightly out of tune guitar and it's so mournful that that's my go-to. You know, like some days when you feel, you want to feel sad. Do you know what I'm, mm-hmm. I know that sounds weird, but no, you're just not like, like, I want to I summon up some music that's going to make me feel sad because I need to, I need to cry, I need to get it out. And that's my go-to. And that intro, as soon as I hear the intro, it's like, as you said, with the Omar triggering thing. Instead of waking up, I just go, Ugh! it works. <laughs> really works. I mean, I, I'm always interested um, it, it, with something that you just said there. I'm, I'm always fascinated by how people approach that. So if you're feeling a little low, yeah, you don't reach for the Cheeky Girls or S Club 7. Do you then reach for, for sadness and, and just embrace that, that emotion for a bit? Yeah, totally. And I've always been that way. I've always been a really emotional music listener. I mean, God, we all are. It sounds crazy. But um, yeah, for me, that's music is my best friend. Music is the love of my life and will always be there for me, despite everything. It's never going to leave me, never going to let me down. So for me, it's like, that's my that's my therapy. So yeah, I just, um, I don't know. There's, there's I have a little playlist, actually, of sad tracks. Is that... That's you, isn't it? Well, it is me, yeah. Sorry about that. Is that Carol coming? She wants to see if you need a kettle. <laughs> Bizarrely, <laughs> it's my wife who's called Carol. 
my god that's too weird that's too weird if you're wondering what I'm talking about it's just because I was just telling Stu about my lovely neighbor Carol who needs to be immortalized on a podcast somewhere and she just comes around all the time and offers me toot from her house she's great that's an underused word as well by the way toot I know it's it's so East London yeah I love that I love that (laughs) occasionally just referring to something as a bag of toot is brilliant Uh, yeah it's good you know what I mean absolutely um track two the first thing the the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you okay so this is a weird one because it's Hans Christian Andersen Mm -hmm. that banging (laughs) banging musical artist yo um Hans Christian Andersen Inchworm do you know Inchworm no Inchworm Inchworm measuring the marigolds it's a kid's song. Okay, I don't know it. Okay, it's a very sad song about an inchworm. Very melancholy. A worm that's an inch long? Yeah. <laughs> What's, is it, is yeah. an inchworm something that I'm unaware of, or is it just no, a no, worm no, that is No, 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 there's no subtext. It's just a, a very small worm. Right. Who measures the marigolds. Oh, okay. Um, it's a, it, if you don't know it, it's like you've not got the joke. It's not a joke. It's right. a serious song by Hans Christian Andersen and Danny Kaye. Do you remember Danny Kaye? Mm-hmm. So he sung it in a movie. I don't know what movie it was. It might have been about the life of Hans Christian Andersen. But when I was a kid, my first foray into singing was um, in my dad's amateur dramatics group at the synagogue. And he used to do all the songs from Hans Christian Andersen. So we used to sing that on stage together and I used to see, you know, like that. Oh, it's making me like well up thinking about singing with my dad. My dad's still alive, don't worry. But um, yeah, just like the 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 mournful song and singing with my dad. But it's mournful, but it's kind of uplifting. It's about this little inchworm, and he's just really sweet. And yeah, singing it with my dad. Beautiful, beautiful memory. Lovely. What what emotion do you think that was? Um just love just love it's a it's a song about loving this little creature um and just pride I used to love singing with my dad I mean we're not a musical family at all and I wouldn't say my dad's a great singer or anything um but yeah it's just like it's nostalgia for me um warmth and yeah it's just lovely and funnily enough someone found a video of one of these old performances the other day and put it on YouTube. It's like, you know, however old I am, I'm like 25, but it's, a, it's about 20 odd years old or 30 um, of me and my dad singing. It's beautiful. Oh, lovely. Absolutely beautiful, yeah. So where, where was this? Where did you grow up? Uh, Chingford in, what's that? East London, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now I'm out in Hertfordshire. So I feel like I've, I feel like a bit of a traitor sometimes because I want I still say that I live in London, but I'm not actually in London anymore. Yeah. I'm in the Hearts, a borough of Hearts now, darling, Broxbourne. How was it growing up in Chingford? Uh, yeah, it was it was very sort of a, it's, it's a very conservative town, I suppose. Um, not really a lot for kids to do. You just sort of hang around in the streets outside the Seven um, Eleven sort of thing. It wasn't particularly exciting david beckham's from chingford norman tebbit was our mp um and east 17 were one of the bands that lived locally mm-hmm. and i used to see them outside the chicken shop but it was yeah it was a very simple life very nice very nice and simple very similar to the life that my daughter's experiencing now in Chesson. you know um 
it's not a particularly metropolitan place. It's not hustle and bustle. I just, yeah, it was a lovely, I had quite an idyllic childhood really, to be fair. E17 had the most London names ever, didn't they? Yeah. How many bands have got a Terry in them? <laughs> now, Terry was the one that did not sing. Yeah. Terry was the one that, I think they just brought him in because they needed a band with a Terry in it. Yeah, I think I think Terry had an Xbox. <laughs> like yeah, that. I think Terry had an Xbox and he had the key to the chicken shop. Yeah. And, the, and then Brian Harvey, I always used to be impressed with how high his hat was. What was under I mean, that, that was a smart... That was height. That was to give him height. So mm. it was just an, it was just air, I believe, Stu. There was mm. just air underneath that. Um, but I used to see them out and about. You know, in those days as well, when um, when you had a big record out and people like would get to know you, they were so accessible. Mm. Because if you were a fan, you could just go to that chicken shop and then you'd probably get their autograph. It's not like now when we're sort of people are hidden and deflected between uh, beneath walls of social media and people that work for them and stuff. It was very, very different then. Um, so I probably could have got pregnant by his child, do you know what I mean? Like quite easily if I wanted to. Yeah, you've all got our yeah. dreams, Alexis. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I thought it was really interesting what you just said there about not, not getting pregnant by Terry from E17, but um, <laughs> uh, just the idea that you, you felt like people were more accessible then. Uh, and I think that's really, really interesting just because... I, I I kind of think the opposite, like insofar as maybe not as accessible, but via social media, you know, I, I quite like the fact that pop stars back then were people that you'd see on the telly. And I mean, where I lived in Essex, aside from Fatima Whitbread, you didn't see anyone. And like, and, and, you know, to see a pop star was like unbelievable. And, you know, growing up, the sort of, you know, the, the, the people that I listened to, you know, there's no way that they ever had like you know went to a McDonald's and had a Big Mac or anything like that. But now through social media, you know I'm not I'm I'm a little bit saddened that I can see that you know Gary Barlow's just checked into Burger King in Nuneaton, you know, and he's having <laughs> yeah, yeah. nuggets. It's like oh man, it's like they're just normal people. Like and and I quite like that kind of barrier. Do you know what I mean? Of like of, of yeah. people being like pop stars and and you know there's something that is, is like a different breed and you know you can't you don't know much about them and I think that social media is kind of giving you a peek behind the curtain a little bit and I, I think that's like something's lost there I think yeah I think um I think we're both right I would I would say as well that being a fan back then was different because being a fan was a whole quest so you would buy tickets to their show, you would wait outside, you'd get to know the band and it would be over a long period of time and there'd be one band that you were into, not many, 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 you know. Whereas now on social media, I can see stuff that, as you say, Gary Barlow's up to, Stephen Fry, da 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 And there's just so much content where I think in those days you really used to have like one or two maybe really big bands that you're into. Mm. And I used to, I, and I used to think that they were accessible because I would always go and wait by the stage door. You know, I'd always be getting autographs. I had a book of autographs, which no one does anymore. Um, and, you know, sometimes the bands would chat to you and um, yeah, it, that in that sense, if you had just one person that you were into, the chances are, if you kind of stalked out there, I'm, I'm giving you stalker tips, Stu. I'm just I mean? wondering how many restraining <laughs> orders you had put on you. <laughs> I mean, I did get Philip Schofield's autograph once. I was very excited about that. Wow. He was doing Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. 
Lovely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't think I ever, did I ever get any autographs? You must have done. Howard Jones. Oh, okay, cool. I cool. got Howard yeah. Jones's at the festival, um, the festival hall in, in Basildon. Uh, I think that was it. May, maybe, maybe Fatima Whitbreads a couple of times. Oh, Wolf from the Gladiators opened a sports shop in uh, in Grays where I live called Wolf Sports. So uh, we'd go Love down him. there and uh, and and yeah, and get an autograph from Wolf from Gladiators. But didn't it mean something though to get an autograph? Oh my god, yeah, yeah. No one does it anymore, do they? No, no, they don't. I mean, getting retweeted by someone, I suppose, or or making you know writing a post about Wolf and he likes it or comments back is probably a similar thing. But that is that, you know, um, uh, in. The endorphin rush is not the same yeah. as having some, their physical name, so that you can then forge checks, obviously, and, um, and <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> much more important. Brilliant. Yeah. Track three: the song that reminds you of your time at school, please, Alexis. Well, I was going to go with "Smells Like Teen Spirit," mm-hmm. but that felt too obvious, so I'm going to go with "Cannonball" by the Breeders. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, like just so uplifting. I remember being on a coach trip to, I think it was to Florence, actually. We had pretty good school trips in those days before the all the money ran out. Um, and yeah, went to Florence on the school on the school bus. Very really remember it vividly, playing playing cannonball to a friend on my cassette recorder and putting the earphones into her ear for the first time and watching her face as she listened to it. You know, that was that was magical. Um which is another thing that we don't do that much now. We can't now because of blooming COVID and you'd yeah. have to disinfect. But, you know, like that experience of um, one of my favourite things to do is watch reaction videos on yeah. YouTube. Yeah. And, um, you know, just seeing people's face when they hear a tune for the first time that you already know and love. Yeah. And you go on that journey and you're like, oh, no, 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 wait for that bit. Wait for the guitar side, wait for that. Um, so, yeah, Cannonball. I mean, she was just so cool, wasn't Beyond she? Cool. Yeah, beyond cool. And obviously they had that whole link with the Pixies who are just ridiculously cool anyway. Um, I think even the Chipmunks have done a, a cover of a Pixies song. Really? I think so. I'm pretty sure. I'll have to go back through my reference points, but yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, but the Breeders, yeah, they were just... Also, that sort of time I was getting into playing the guitar and that was sort of doing my first bands at school and they were one of the only decent female fronted bands so there was like l7 um hole but the breeders were just really accessible i think they had one guy in the band didn't they i'm not sure yeah it was kim and uh uh kim and what's kim's sister's name i feel like i want to say kelly but i'm, kelly. I'm not sure if that's right Ke- something like that kelly deal kelly deal yeah i think so yeah kim and kelly Ke- 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 yeah it's kelly or kelly i'm sure it is there's probably people screaming now, just going, <laughs> how do you not know that? that, that? Because <laughs> Kim's sister wasn't musical at all. Uh, and and she bought her in the band and said, right, you, you know, learn to play. And like, yeah. you're going to become one of the breeders. And I mean, from when I think of <clears throat> Cannonball, I mean, as, as an indie DJ of 27, 28 years now, I, I've played that a lot in the clubs over the years. But... My instant thought when I think of that is, it, for me, that encapsulates MTV for me. And it was oh, like okay. that video, you know, and just and, and, and it, that just that opening, like, um, is that a bass on It's a bass, it's a bass, I'm pretty yeah, sure. like that, just that bass line just seemed to be getting used on everything. It was like, and it's mm. so good. And, oh, that's a, 
that's a great shout for a, a, a record. So, how, how did you find school, Alexis? I absolutely loved it. For primary school, not so much. Um, but then secondary school, I just really came into my own. I was very lucky. I went to a school that really um, championed individual individualism so if you were really into sport great they'd let you just really nurture that but if you were really creative they would totally push you and and let you do whatever you wanted to do and I feel very blessed that I had that opportunity because I you know I got to do all the sort of acting and music and poetry and all that wanky stuff um so it was great it was great a lot of it was to do with boys and that all became like a big obsession you know music became intertwined with that so songs that I was into might have been that a boy liked or that made me think of a boy and how much I loved him and he didn't want me. It was all very much like hormonal music time, you know? Mm. Um, but yeah, I had a great time. Loved it, especially sixth form. It was a blast. What did you want to be? Oh, um, what did I want to be? Well, I was going to be a solicitor or a barrister for a long time. And then I, I couldn't handle the moral side of it because I thought, what if you've got to represent a murderer? So I think it was just then it was music. It was it was always bands and music and writing and poems. And the poems that I wrote, so I used to do slam poetry, I used to go into London on the train after school to these like slam poetry clubs and, and just go and perform my poems and that was sort of the precursor to writing songs so I guess I wanted to be a songwriter um, but in those days you didn't really have aspirations to be a pop star because it wasn't actually that glamorous a job to be or or something that you could realistically do so it was more like just being in a band I think what I wanted to be was a man in a band it took me a long time to realize that because I, my all my idols I'd look at them apart from the breeders I wanted to be a rock star I wanted to be a man in a band and and who was it you looking never up would to be at that before. point? Um, I guess probably the grunge scene was so huge, uh, you know, like Pearl Jam, Soundgarden. Um, well, Chili Peppers weren't grunge, but that was a big part of that time. And yeah, all my all the people I looked up to, I was just like, but I want to be the I want to be the front man in a band. How do I do that? Um, and it was a big struggle. I've never really, I never really quite managed to um <clears throat> achieve that achieve that you know even when like later on in my music career I, I was in a band called Bo Pepper and I was the front person we did South by Southwest you know we're on radio one radio two we did really well but there'd always be that obstacle and people would say well it's really hard getting a female fronted rock band away sort of thing so That's yeah I don't crazy isn't it it is it is crazy but it kind of makes sense. I don't know why. There's like, it's the testosterone needed, I think, to, to command a, a band. It just, I don't know. There are some examples where it works. Like um, the Ting Tings kind of work, but they're not, I don't know. I, I think we're yet to get that great female-fronted rock band. Blondie came close, but then it's just a different dynamic, I suppose. So, yeah, I'm always looking out for that. If someone says, oh, there's this great new rock band fronted by a woman, I'm always interested yeah. But it's 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 a man's world, unfortunately, still in that in that sort of area. So going and doing slam poetry and things like that, was you a confident kid? Um not confident in myself or my looks or anything like that, but I was confident. I've always been confident that I've got something to say. That um, you know, I oh god, this is gonna sound really wanky, but it's about um I read this interview once with Adele and 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 the the journalist was saying that that she's able to take 
general emotions and make them personal to you. And that's something that I've always tried to do with like, whether it's writing songs or um, doing a podcast or, or writing a book or a blog or an article. It's just to take my experience and go, okay, well, I'm not just going to write about me because no one wants to know about that, but to try and relate it to you and make it and make it relate to your world. And that's that I think that's what my talent is. I don't know about all the other stuff. It's all just kind of tits and teeth, but I'm able to look at something or a feeling and describe it in a way that I can that other people can relate to, I think. For somebody that's you know, had a career in the music industry, I I you know, you, you talked about confidence there. What about drive? You're very driven. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I'm still really driven. I mean, I'm absolutely exhausted today because I've been I've been doing all this Twitch stuff and I, I've been doing podcasts this week. I've, um, apart from yours, I've been doing a, a rival one. <laughs> no, I've been doing other ones and stuff. I never stop. I never stop because I'm always so driven. And I, it's hard to pinpoint because it's it's like I want success, but not in not in monetary terms or infamy terms. But it's just I want my point of view heard, and I want what I feel like I've got to say or what I've got to give to the world heard. So yeah, I'm always trying to find different vehicles, and I think anyone who's creative, um, you know, lockdown for me was an opportunity to sit there and go, well, what can I do that's going to actually cheer people up or that's going to because I know I'm feeling all of this stuff. How do I? what can I do to try and get that out there and, and make people feel a little bit better? Um, How have you found it? How have you found, you know, uh, <clears throat> you know, not necessarily creatively, but personally, like just the, 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 the last five months, how have you found that? Um, lonely. I'd say lonely. I mean, I've, I've never really felt loneliness before. Um, and I, I have my daughter, my wonderful daughter, but it's a loneliness. It's sort of a world level loneliness. I think we all feel there's just not the same access to those moments of touch or moments of chat that you have in, you know, when you're in a, in your local news agents and you have that chat, everyone's now more cautious. And um, I I think it's a lonely time. I think um, a lot of interesting art will come out of this period. You know, when we look back in say 2022 and we look back and go, wow, that's like a sort of canon of loneliness really. Um, so yeah, I found it. I found it. I found it challenging, um, but very creative. You know, I've, I've found so many. I've got so many ideas of things that I want to do now, um, and um, it's just a shame that, that we've sort of. It feels like we're being reset again this week, and you know, yeah. we're sort of looking to another six months. It's hard. I have a lot of friends that suffer with mental health issues, um, and I worry about them, and I and I worry about. I worry about the world and I worry about there's sort of an endless list. But what I do every night is I, I actually make a list on my phone and I prioritize what I'm most worried about. And for some reason that sort of helps. That's great. Um, yeah. So, cause you can't, you can't actually worry about too many things at the same time. Can you? It's like when you've got two pains, you just can't feel them both. Completely. Both. And and I think, you know, there's no answers at the moment. So, you know, there's. I don't know where people are looking for answers. I know social media and 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 you know, Karen ain't got the answers. I know that on on, <laughs> on Facebook. I know that for a fact. And and so yeah, I just think yeah, I'm much much like you. I'm exactly the same, Alexis. It's like right, kind of. What do I enjoy doing that I can do, and what else can mm-hmm. I do with you know in and around that to keep creating and keep distracting 
you know, my brain from from some of the things that probably I don't want to be thinking about that's going on in the world right now. So it's, mm. uh, yeah, strange, strange times. It's interesting that you say the distraction because actually that's what our job is now. Our job is to be the distraction and to be the like the the content and the fun and the you know the creative bit. Hundred percent. You know, there's there's nothing I'm more proud of than being on Scroobius Pips network which is called the distraction pieces network and it is it's distraction pieces and and it took me about six months to realize you know that obviously is the name of his podcast as well but you know it I think it was like probably about six months ago I just thought why am I doing these I just want you know I'm just trying to distract myself and 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 I listen to podcasts as a distraction Mm. as well and then I just thought distraction oh god yeah distraction pieces that must be what it's about and I was like Pip dude I was like have you called it? He was like, yes, of course. I was like, oh, oh my God, it, it, it took you six months. <laughs> but oh. that's it. That's totally it. That's what we are. We're distraction pieces. I love that. What a great, what a great metaphor for what we do. Yeah. You know? Let's not big him up anymore. He gets, he gets right, bigged stop. up by everyone. I can't, I can't big him up too much. <laughs> Track four. First song you ever <laughs> buying from a record shop. Okay, I'm probably going to get shot for this, but it was Itsy Bitsy Teeny Weeny Yellow Polka Dot Bikini by Timmy Mallet. Well, congratulations. I think that's possibly the shittest yet. This is the one where they're oh, always, okay. This is the one where they're always shit, obviously. No one's first record was cool. <laughs> we know that. Um, but I think that's possibly the worst. Yeah. We've had Babylon Zoo. Um, oh. We've had, we've had Stilt Skin. Um, I think we've had PJ and Duncan. But yeah, I think Timmy Mallet, you, you may have. You, have I peaked? I think so. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but I loved it. I mean, uh, I bought it on tape, of course, as you do. And I saved up. That was like my pocket money or something that I really saved up. I knew I wanted it. Um, and yeah, I, I, funnily enough, though, recently I got in touch with Timmy Mallet because I've been a lifelong fan of his. And um, <clears throat> I was talking to him about coming on a show that I do called The Time I Almost and speaking with his management and stuff. And I did say in the email, the first record I ever bought was Timmy Mallet's. And in it, the thing is, though, when I read it back, I looked like an absolute lunatic. Do you know what I mean? It was like, I've been waiting all these years to meet you sort of thing. Um, yeah. So I'm yet, to, I'm yet to meet him, but I'm hopeful that it will happen. One, one of um, my, my, my good mates, uh, his, his mum remarried a guy uh, that lived next door. Uh, to Timmy Mallet, and, huh? uh, and and they would say lines like, um, "Yeah, we're, uh, we're 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 barbecuing with the mallets." <laughs> the mallets. <laughs> the mallets. <laughs> is it actually? Is it actually his real surname? Can't be. Can't be. I'm mallet. Not sure. I've never heard of another mallet. Mm. I mean, people shouldn't overlook. You know, people. He should not be judged on Bomb Ballerina alone. You know, true. The, the true. Wackaday was just the greatest thing ever when I was a kid. I know, you know wasn't it? You I was him. hoping they'd bring him back. And Michaela Strachan. Mm-hmm. Like, every young but... lad used to love getting up in the morning, the first thing you'd see would be Michaela Strachan <laughs> making you laugh. You know, it's great. <laughs> I mean, they brought back Mr Motivator mm. at a brief point at the start of lockdown, and I was hoping they'd bring back Wackaday, because I think it'd be great to have, like, adults that used to watch it on the show mm. playing Mallet's mallet, but you know, sadly not to be just yet. He's got a book out. He's got. A book oh, he to... has got a book out, hasn't he? That's yeah, right. yeah. Yeah, you see, see, I'm still watching uh, Mallet on the Quiet. Don't worry, you're not alone. <laughs> <laughs> where would you Where would you have bought that? 
in in the record shop in Chingford, which sadly doesn't exist anymore. But oh, it was the record an shop. Yeah, it was an independent record shop. We were so lucky to have that. Um, and you go in and and you know going through the vinyl. Oh my god, that touch, the touch of vinyl was amazing. So yeah, I was very lucky to have a local record shop. I don't know if all towns did, but um, but there was always Woolworths was in Walthamstow, so you could go down to Woolworths buy records there on the bus. Listen up. I've only got another new sponsor, Egg Fried. It's this super cool clothing label. And if you're into sort of skating and street art and gigging and, and kind of like really cool art and throwing a little bit of Asian culture and, and the designer's kind of weird sense of humour in the mix, then you're pretty much there with the wonderful world that is eggfried.com. Now, they do these amazing punchy kind of graphic tees, hoodies and sweatshirts, beautiful art prints, as well as this, they have a denim range, all handmade in-house, all supporting the slow fashion movement. Not only that, they've given you a discount code, 10% off when you head over to eggfried.com. Just use the code EGGSALAD, E-W-G-S-A-L-A-D, save 10%. Go and get lost in the world of egg fried. Also, they've got a new kids range, and it's called Small Fried, and it's super cool, super cute. Um, and again, it's all over there in this wonderful world. Go and get involved at eggfried.com. In regards to records and stuff, just before we, we, we move forward, just keeping it back in the, uh, in, in, in the, in the early years, was there, was there records on at home growing up? Yeah, very much so. So my dad um, works as an accountant, and all of his clients are music industry people. So... He always was like, he used to look after people like um, the Loving Spoonful, Culture Club. He still looks after Culture Club. Wow. Um, yeah, loads of, uh, I think he did Motorhead as well. And like really, you know, really big name people back in the day. And so there was always talk of music, if not playing music. My dad's uh, really into his music. And I grew up on uh, Michael Jackson, Madonna. My dad used to take me to concerts, you know, he used to take me, I remember seeing the Bad Tour, um, Madonna's, I don't know which one it was actually, but I went to see, I went to see all those bands, Blonde you know. Ambition, True Blue. Blonde Ambition, mm. Blonde Ambition Tour. Um, and then when we used to go on holiday, we'd always factor in a concert as well. So music was always very much yeah. part of the agenda. Oh, wonderful. How was it? Mm. You know, because I, I, I saw... Um, I saw Madonna uh, about six years ago in Hyde Park and it was the worst gig I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> but I love Madonna. Uh, yeah. And, and that period of Madonna in, you know, the, 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 the mid to late 80s, I think some of the, the best pop music ever made. Um, yes. And I would have given anything to have seen her on them tours. Like, how was that? Oh, it was a religious experience. I mean, I remember seeing... The, the the most impressive one was Michael Jackson when he came on stage and did his Jesus pose. I know it's all wrong now, but he came on stage and he did the Jesus pose. I was crying. I looked around. Everyone in the whole of Wembley Arena was crying by the time he came on stage. It was just such a moment because yeah. he was a he was a god, an absolute god. No, you know we don't get. I don't know if acts get that same level of adulation now. Maybe if you go to a U two concert, it might be similar, I suppose, but. Um, yeah, that was insane. It was insane. It was it was really a religious experience for sure. Um, I think, and he was, was amazing. I think that was the the peak of pop. I, I, you know, for yeah. me, maybe I'm just saying that because I'm 47. But like, I, I think Madonna, Jackson, Prince, mm-hmm. the, the fact that them three people 
was you know was stadium filling pop acts. Yeah. Consistently releasing some of the greatest pop music ever. Like that's rare, you know. Mm. I know there's lots of pop bands that that sell out stadiums and, and arenas now, but has their output been as consistent? Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. As as any of those three, I'm not so sure. I guess time No, I think the only other moment that feels secondary to that is Oasis and Blur, mm-hmm. you know, in their peak. And that that whole battle, which was amazing. But the content that they were coming out with was insane. I mean, every single song was a, a masterpiece. Um, I think that's one of the things that I always like, because I, I think Oasis have written some amazing records uh, I, I, without a shadow of a doubt. But I feel that they're like more like the Stones. I think Oasis hmm. have got a sound, and they don't deviate from it that much. True. They've got their sound. Blur... Blur's Bowie, you know, Blur, every album is a massive progression, you know, a complete change. And, you know, you can hear the influences on, on, you know, on on every Blur album, you know, of what you can go, oh, right, they've definitely been listening to Pavement now. Oh, right, they've definitely, Mm. you know. And you can think, well, Graham's definitely been writing more on this album and and stuff like (laughs) that. And, and, And I really like that. But to talk about the creative output at that point of just how prolific both of them bands were. Mm. If you look around the time of um, What's the Story, so if you look at the, the, the single Some Might Say, I believe, mm-hmm. B-side, Acquiesce, B-side, right. Talk Tonight. Fucking B-sides. I know, I know, it's insane. Let's just leave, I don't really, uh, I've got other songs, I'll throw them on the B-side. Like, yeah. bands that give their right arm to write one of them, He's putting them on B-side, master plan, you know, stick it on a B-side. It's like crazy, like, you know, to, to have been Noel Gallagher at that point, the creativity, mm. it, 
you know, it just feels like it was just you couldn't stop it. It was like just yeah. pouring out of these incredible songs. Like the fact that Master Plan was wasn't a single blows my mind. I think it's one of the greatest things they've ever done. You think you're listening to the chorus and then you're like, oh hang on, no, it's a pre-chorus. Fuck, here's the chorus. Wow. It's like I, I think like I, I think he was at that point untouchable. Yeah. But it's interesting because I've read um interviews with him since that point and he talks he talks about that period. It's almost like a tragic it's almost like a sort of a tragic story because that flow, it's almost like, I don't know if it's God or it's the universe or whatever that gives you the songs. He was in that flow and he'll never, he's even said to himself, he'll never be able to, to create that because it was of a time, it was of a socioeconomic period in his life and all of those factors that were in there that gave him those songs, you know, almost like it's, you put in a touch of anger because you're not where you want to be and all that stuff that went into the songwriting that you'll never be able to get again. Um, and it's it's like when people talk about Adele and say, well, oh, she's oh, her marriage is ended. We'll get a good album this time. You know, it's 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 awful. It's awful how it how the process works. But I'm afraid that that is part of the truth of songwriting is that you, it's a product. Your song your songs are a product of where you are at that particular moment. And in that moment, Noel was on fire. It was absolutely on fire. It must have felt amazing every day waking up having these you know, these lyrics and ideas in your head and just being like having the confidence to go, yeah, this is going to be amazing. I'll put this, get the band together. I'm always interested by how, you talked about confidence before, how bands have the confidence to make a song in the first place. You know, what makes a person wake up and say, I've got a song, I'm going to go into a studio today because I want people to listen to it. Or what makes them, a, what makes them an absolute madman, you know? Yeah. Um, and and he was just on fire and he had the support of his brother, obviously, as well, who's, you know, people always underestimate what Liam's role was in everything. But without Liam, there wouldn't have been Oasis because it's his voice. It's so important. Um, honestly, should we just do an Oasis podcast? <laughs> Shall we? <laughs> but, I, um, but, yeah. but, but, you know, and talking about that creative output, I, I, was, um, I interviewed um, Mike Joyce from The Smiths and he was saying that Johnny Marr couldn't stop, mm. couldn't stop writing these incredible records. Every day he'd turn up and go, I've wrote this. And they're like, holy shit. Like, and I mean, that that's quite rare to be, to be that prolific. And then I kind of dug a bit deeper and, and sort of said like, you know, how was he doing this? He was like, I, I don't know. Like, mm. he's like, I don't know, because not only was he writing these songs, I think Johnny was like 20, 21, 22 when this was happening. And that in itself is insane, right? And managing the Smiths. Right. Like, he's basically, he was managing the band. He was, like, booking our tours, like, in, in the States. And he said, we were just the word of mouth band out there, but we were mm. playing bigger venues than Tears for Fears, who were selling millions of records, like, globally. But he said, it, it was just like when when you think like how driven this guy was that he yeah. would he would be this prolific with his creative output, yet still be kind of you know handling the band and probably administrative having, and yeah. having to deal with 
fucking God knows how petulant Morrissey must have been to deal with. Like, <laughs> and having to kind of handle that as well. Like, he said was just, you know, and I just think some people are just gifted. Like, mm. and, and, and it is, like, you can work as, you know, as hard as you can, but sometimes I think some people have just got something a little bit extra that is just, you know, just an, whether it's just the ear for it or just the, I don't know. But I think there are people that have moments of genius. And I, and I think that that, that mid 90s, 96, I think Noel Gallagher was, was definitely oh, yeah. fitted into that, that gang. And pop music is important. Mm. Pop music is a sphere for genius. And, you know, uh, when I first got into songwriting, some of my friends would be like, oh, what, you're rhyming June and Moon and stuff. And it's like, no, actually, I was, I mean, I was never that massively successful with it. But, um, it is it is something so creative because you can touch so many people. A song that, you know, we're talking about songs that I listened to when I was a kid that still makes me feel something. What a, what a bloody achievement that is for someone to sit there and I wrote that, you know, sort of thing. Um, and, of course, uh, Itsy Bitsy Teeny Weeny Yellow Polka Dot Bikini is uh, <laughs> way up there in the, <laughs> the uh, canon of uh, pop music genius. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move forwards. Let's move forwards okay. to some clubbing. Um, okay. The song that soundtrack your time clubbing, and this this can be any sorts of clubs. This can be rock clubs, indie clubs, dance clubs, anything. Okay, so um, I think I'm going to go with I got the key, I got the secret, but I don't even know who it's by. I just had it written down, so we'll have to just check that out. I'm not sure. I got the key. Oh, who done that? I don't know. I'd have to check it. Well, we don't, or I can go with Faithless. I can't get no sleep, but that's just, it just felt like everybody was clubbing to that. So. Yeah, we've had, we've had insomnia a few times. Yeah, whatever. Oh, yeah, that's it, insomnia. Um, yeah, I got the key. I got the secret. I feel like it was called Sig- Sigma or something Sigma. like that. Yeah. Something like that. Stigma, <laughs> whatever. Um, but that, that track, just because I remember going on a school holiday, another school holiday. This time it was about 17, 18. Um, and, you know, people were, getting into drugs and drinking and all that sort of thing. We, you know, really sort of everyone was experimenting with who they were and their sexuality and everything. It was like this hotbed of, you know, hormones. And and I Got the Key was like part of that time and just remember dancing around. We probably weren't even in clubs. We were just in our hotel room sort of thing, just dancing around and discovering that kind of music because, you know, we'd all been rockers and whatever and it felt like, yeah, I felt like, oh, we're moving into this slightly, oh, there's less, there's less chords, there's less music. What, what's going on here? Um, and of course, around that time, actually, I'm having a real memory now. I used to go to Whirly Gig. Do you remember Whirly Gig? With the parachute. With the parachute. Oh my gosh. And that reminds me of that time as well, because that was my first experience of clubbing. We used to go every Saturday night. God knows how my parents let me go there because it was literally like the biggest um, drug den of all time. It was amazing. And I'm probably going to get told off for that, but it's true. Um, And it it was phenomenal. As you say, the parachute used to come down at midnight, I think it was, and everyone would lie underneath it and sort of like, oh, my God, I'm like, I'm having the most amazing experience of my life. It was just wonderful. There was no alcohol allowed. Yeah. But people could bring their dogs. And their children. Yeah. Did you ever see a dog or a child there? Uh, no, I mean, I would have only been about 18, so if I would have took a child yeah. with me, it probably would have been really weird. Uh, <laughs> um... <laughs> I first went at 14. Wow. We had forged IDs. That's not a thing anymore, I don't think. 
No, no, I don't think you can. Can you? We used to do like you know. I'd always, I remember like I would memorise like um, my star sign from uh, from whoever's ID. You know, I would borrow <laughs> and, uh, and 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 copy their signature in case the security asked me to to copy their signature or ask me the star sign. Why Obviously, would they ask you the star sign? Because they try and catch you. And what's it hilarious is like. I've then gone on, obviously, run clubs for, 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 for the last 30 years. I've never once seen a doorman ask anybody for their star sign. <laughs> and the thought that many doormen would actually know the star sign anyway would, would, would yeah. be hilarious. But um, It might yeah. even be a bit of a hashtag me too situation if they did as well. Do you know what I mean? He asked me for my star sign. Might be like, you know, he was coming <laughs> on to me. Um, my, yeah. I'll tell you what, the song that really, really reminds me of Whirly Gig is a track called Templehead by Transglobal Underground. I don't know if you know that. Can you sing me a bit? Uh, it just goes, la, 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 la. That's it. And, like, and then it's got a rap over it and it's just got a massive breakbeat. It's okay. wonderful. And that's that's the Whirly Gig song for me. And that, right. that would have been oh, 93, I think. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Oh, maybe a little early. Maybe no, ninety three, I reckon. Uh, no. But wasn't it a great night though? Brilliant. Oh my! Every, do you know what? Every experience there was different, and the people you meet, and it was kind of a bit hippie ish. And they mm. used to sell like really disgusting organic food, and you know, it was just such a hodgepodge of weirdness. I don't, mm. I can't imagine that being a thing now. No. You know. Um, and I think if it yeah, is, I think it would be people of that generation trying to create it. Uh, yeah. It was, it's, it's really weird. That kind of, and I don't know if that's offensive to call that, you know, some of that scene like the, the crusty scene, but that's what we would call it. Yeah, know, yeah. When, when we was, you know, in the early 90s, you know, and, and it would lend itself to some of the electronic music that was going on uh, and some of the, the, the guitar music that was going on. And, and I watched uh, a a bit of footage of the Levelers performing, headlining Glastonbury, okay. performing One Way, which is an amazing record. Um, and they come on stage and they were like, first of all, it was just like this this dude playing a didgeridoo for ages. And then it all just comes in. And and yeah, and, and obviously they, they, they didn't look like they'd just jumped out of a makeup department or a bath, <laughs> you know, they, they, they looked like they'd been sleeping in a field in Glastonbury for a couple of months. Yeah. And, but that was their thing. And, and I remember watching it and it, it just looked brilliant. Like that they were just yeah. like, just going for it. And I was thinking that's never going to happen again. You know, there's mm-hmm. never going to be a band that looks unwashed like that. Yeah, you know, true, like true. We've, you know, we've, we've guys with dreads and, you know, and, and didgeridoos and, you know, all the jokes about dogs on bits of string and things like that and, the you know, the stuff like the whirly gig thing. And I just think, you know, that, that scene was should, should be celebrated because it, it kind of gets overlooked, um, mm. that, that scene in, in, in music. And I've spoke about this quite a lot on this podcast, that that, that early 90s British indie scene guitar scene is forgotten you know it goes straight from manchester to grunge to Britpop, and the british stuff that was happening there carter wonder stuff oh yeah oh my god yeah all of them bands never get the credit they deserve you know jim bob from carter miles hunt from wonder stuff in my opinion two of the greatest songwriters definitely lyricists like of the last 30 years but it always goes Stone Roses, Nirvana, 
Oasis, yeah. and like, and I think there's so many bands in that that period before that 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 get forgotten. You know, and I used to get bullied at school and, and told that I looked like Miles Hunt from the Wonder Stuff. I used to get called Miles a lot, so that's a bit triggering for me. <laughs> <laughs> Because I had my hair naturally red yeah. and quite curly and long, and I did I did look a bit like him, to be fair. So it was a good shout. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that period in time, it's funny because they're probably all living on longboats at the moment, aren't they? On a canal somewhere, all that kind of music scene. I just feel like you know they're the only people that still exist that look like that. Yeah. That are still a bit crusty. But you you're right. You wouldn't have that now because well, also everyone wants to fit the mold of what a record label might be asking for because it's a different scene there's less money you just want to get your records heard and it's saturated yeah. so you know a label would turn around and say well we don't really you know you need to sharpen up here's your stylist is a choreographer da, 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 da. not necessarily a choreographer but um you wouldn't have the opportunity to be that sort of grungy but that was what was great about whirligig was that you could go and wear whatever you wanted be a bit dirty and be a bit like just just free and it was hippie-ish it was like an intern um it was like an interior woodstock because it was inside a hackney town hall or something yeah. wasn't it it was like they condensed woodstock um you know made it very british and put it into a little building yeah uh yeah brilliant well, well let's fight to bring let's fight to give them some justice and get them recognized definitely let's do it okay <laughs> favorite song from an artist from your home county so we did reference E17 before, mm-hmm. um, but I'm going to go with Blazing Squad because Blazing Squad were from Chingford mm-hmm. and I did meet them once in the recording studio. When I was, all of them? All of them. And I remember thinking, like, because obviously the label would pay for your lunch when you're recording, and I was just thinking, that's a lot of lunches the label's got to pay for, <laughs> 12 of them. <laughs> that's 12 lunches. You Is know, that how many was in the squad? 12 were in the squad, yeah. I mean, there were some like notable members of the band. Um, one that went on Love Island a couple of years ago as well. But actually, they weren't that awful. Some of their songs were quite memorable. Crossroads was was not bad, right? That was a cover, right? Yeah, it was. It was. But was it both? I want to say Bone Bone Thugs and Harmony, yeah. Harmony, yeah. Um, but they had some other songs that, that they'd Oh, was it? Or was it Jodeci? Might have been. We are... Aren't we terrible? I haven't looked anything up. I've just turned up here with my leopard print thing on my head. I haven't looked anything up at all. It could be could be anyone. Yeah. Could have been anyone. But um yeah, Blazing Squad. They were they were very much um a lot younger than me. And they were like the new the new E17 when they came out, because it was from that area. It's sort of like, you know, just local boys from the street. Everyone knew their mums in the air. It was you know, they were a nice Nice bunch of young men, really, I thought. Yeah. They weren't, you know, they weren't quite as edgy as So Solid Crew. I was a bit scared of So Solid Crew because they were in the, they were also in the studio. We all used to go into the same studios and stuff. And the So Solid Crew, yeah, I was, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have approached them. Whereas Blazing Squad, we were talking about wagon wheels. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was a bit, <laughs> they were just nice young men. Um yeah, who was the other one? There was So Solid Crew, Blazing Squad, and there was another one as well that were even grimier, but I can't remember who they were. Like another crew. Heartless was Crew. Dapp- who was Dappy in? What was Dappy from? Uh, oh, uh, what was he called? Talisa. Uh, oh, what was his band called? But were they so, so Solid Crew? I don't have to get my phone out. <laughs> Sorry, can we put a call through to Dappy, please? <laughs> Wait, let's have a look. Dappy. Oh, what was his thing called? Dappy. 
rapper. Oh no, he endubs. Endubs. Thank yeah. you. Endubs. That would have driven me mad. And um, with Talisa. What become yeah. of him? What become of her? Like she was like become a TV star, didn't she? Yeah, she's been back. She's been back doing the rounds recently. I think she she had some sort of. I think she had a court case because she co-written a song for a, a, a huge international pop artist and there was some sort of um copyright issue that she went through but she's right. she's actually been writing for other people she's very talented yeah very talented girl i think she just you know seemed to like lose her way a little bit and was a bit of a victim of you know when when it first the press first started turning nasty and it started to you know really they started to really pap people and follow them around and it just became unpleasant she was at the start of that and an an unfortunate casualty I would say Mm. um now we're a little bit better again we've gone through the recording people's phone calls and stuff we've gone through that and it's sort of a little bit more controlled isn't it I think I hope so I hope so yeah last track a song that many may not know but you would like them to hear Okay, God, this is really, really, this is the hardest one. I'm going to go with um, something very obscure. It's called, I have to, had to write it down because it's in French. Marcia Baya, or Baila, by Lerita Mitsuku. Of uh, that. Easy for you to say. Easy for me to say. Um, it's, a, it's a French song um, from 1984, and I recently discovered it because it's on my Wii Fit. <laughs> <laughs> I do a dance thing on my Wii Fit. And it's usually got like songs from that are quite recent. And it has this one and it's this weird French pop track. Um, I'm a big fan of like Christine and the Queens. And I love Vanessa Parody when she came out. I'm very much a, you know, Francophile kind of thing. And this track is just awesome. It's about their friend, the, this band. And it's about their friend who died, who was a dancer. And it's just really, really odd. The video is really odd and sort of ballet based and stuff. Um, yeah, just really kooky. And I'm sure it wasn't a massive hit at the time and will never be because it was in 1984, which is mm. decades ago. But um, yeah, random. But I was going to say um, Heartbeats by the Knife, but I think most people probably would, of our age group, would know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's, it's not necessarily, you know, a, a, a song that, like, I guess no one knows but yeah, sometimes like you know, it's just something that people may have forgotten. It's like, look, this is a tune. Don't it's forget. a mood. It's yeah. a mood. That one. It's an amazing record. Amazing yeah. record. Um, can I ask you to send over the list of all the songs you've chosen? Of because I, I remember most of them, but the French one I haven't got an open L of remembering. No, I I haven't myself. I had to look. I'm having to read it. And the reason, uh, the reason being, I'll do a Spotify playlist to accompany this podcast, so people can go and listen to <laughs> okay. all of the records that you've chosen and and, and and a load of the ones that we've spoken about as well. Amazing. Um, so, as we hopefully find ourselves on the way out of lockdown or going back into lockdown, let's let's stay positive, Alexis. And uh, what are you? What have you got coming up creatively? And what are you looking forward to most personally? Oh, I'm looking forward to um, kissing people and having sex with them, I think, mostly. That would be probably what I'm looking forward to. (laughs) Um, And just hugging all my friends and touching them inappropriately, stroking their face as they talk. Do you know what I mean? Like being really touchy-feely. After this, I'm going to be the most physically demonstrative person in the universe. That's what I'm looking forward to. Um, career-wise, 
Uh, <laughs> so stay, you're lucky you're in a Zoom room. <laughs> um, I'll be, when, when Carol pops around to give me a kettle, I'm going to be licking her face, you know, rubbing myself against her. Um, like a cat. <laughs> like a cat. <laughs> yes. Oh, but seriously, though, if I didn't have my daughter, I'd feel so miserable because I cuddle her all the time. I've got someone to hug and cuddle. Yeah. I just think, come on, let's think of the single people. Yeah. Let's think of the single people right now because it's, it's Do you know hard. what? It's, it's, that's the one thing that, that is the, I miss the most. And, and whether it's just the conversation or the hugging, you know, that connection, it's like working in, you know, in the nightclub industry as well, yeah. Most weekends, you know, I stand there and I, I chat, you know, 600 people walk past me. Mm-hmm. And these people have been coming to my clubs for years. So I'm not suggesting I hug all of them, but there's a lot of like, you know, you know, I, I guess handshaking and hugging and, you know, kisses and stuff. And it's like, I've not had that for six months. And it's like, and it's really weird because I'm, I'm super tactile, you know, I'm a hugger. Yeah. And like, and, and I find it like just really strange now that, you know, I actually done my, my first podcast face to face in in my studio in London um, about three weeks ago, and it, it was with the, the singer from the band of Vaccines, and 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 he sort of walked in through the, through the door, and he was like, "Hey, man!" And I was like, "All right." <laughs> and we both had this kind of moment of like, "What do we do?" Like, oh, that's awful! And, and I, I was hate like, that. I, I can't do that fucking elbow thing. No, like, no. And I and I just ended up going for some kind of like fist pump like thing, and like and it was I guess it's what you got to do. But normally I would have just been like, "Hey, doing?" and like giving him a cuddle. Yeah. And like and then when we finished, like I'll see you later. My ego, blah blah blah. Another cuddle. See you later. But yeah. yeah, it doesn't feel right, does it? I'm really pleased that you said that though, because obviously you're in a relationship, and you're married, and I always think, oh, well, people that are in relationships, they're not feeling it as much. But I'm, it's nice to hear mm. that. You know, it's the same. It's the same for everyone. Of course, you've got your partner, but it's just that general, that's what I mean. I, I mean, I'm being silly and saying, you know, I want to shag everyone. But, you know, when I talk to people, I'm like you, I'm like an arm, I'm touching their arm. And you, because for me, that's like, that's that's reassuring them. And as, as I'm chatting to them, and it's like, yeah, I am listening to you. And I think you're great. And I, oh, aren't you wonderful? And to not be able to do that is so hard. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to have a physical demonstration fest in 2021 please god um and then career wise yeah i'm doing my twitch channel i'm just really going hard at that streaming comedy content um because there's just not stuff really being commissioned at the minute so it's kind of like i've i just want to get my outlet and and i love it it's great it's so it's so lovely because I, I'm starting to know the people that come and watch my stuff and build in a following and stuff so it's new it's in a whole new world for me you know, very, um, had to get savvy with the technology and stuff, much like when I started podcasting. So um, I'll continue with that, continue with the Funny Women podcast. I'm going to start my own podcast. Um, and just, yeah, just keep just keep trying to distract, really. That's it. And for people that want to keep up to speed on all of this, where's the best place to, to keep up with what you're doing? Um, yeah, so Twitter, at Alexis Strum. Um, same on all of the social media and twitch.tv forward slash Alexis Strum. Not many people are on Twitch, but you don't have to sign up to, to watch people's shows on it. It's really easy to access. Uh, are you happy for me to tag you in everything when this comes out? Tag the shit out of me. <laughs> tag me so much that I'm like, Stu, I'll have to send you an official email to say stop. Okay. Yeah. 
Right, we're on that. Alexis, it's been an absolute joy. Thanks, mate. Thanks, love. Thank you. There you go. Told you he was in for a treat there. What a lovely natter. Um, top music chat and uh, and, and I had a really, really good laugh recording that as well. Um, can't recommend uh, Alexis's podcasts um, enough. Go and, go and check them out. And yeah, and thanks loads for, for listening, supporting. When you see us on the socials, it's nice to see that you've all been sharing, retweeting and liking and stuff. So thanks. Thanks so much because this is you know, a labour of love and, uh, and and it just really is kind when, you know, you see people responding and, and commenting and saying that they're enjoying the show. So, so thanks loads um, for doing that. And as mentioned at the beginning, if you do want to, you know, go that little bit extra and, 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 and help the, the, the podcast, I do have a Patreon page where you get a lot of bang for your buck as well from as little as like, I think it's about three and a half quid a month you'll, you'll get like over the month blimey uh maybe i don't know another 20 25 shows so uh i can't recommend that enough and you'd be doing uh the podcast uh, a very very big thing if you uh support us there so um yeah i think i'm done thanks loads for listening um stay safe uh, have a lovely week i'll see you next time much love bye-bye i've got an announcement save our souls clothing www.sosclothing.co.uk Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. In addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off so if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15, B-E-A-T-1-5, and that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk official sponsors of Off The Beaten Track Podcast. It's Off The Beaten Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Eat a monkey.